0: you an update i know some of you know what we do some of you might not know at all what we do so we're going to give a brief update and uh in our update we're also going to look at the changing paradigm in bible translation as you can imagine over all the years we've been doing this let's see what is 13 plus 21 that's 34 years since we left to go to indonesia uh, there's been a lot of change. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's look at some of these opening slides here. Uh, you know our family. Uh, Jan, our daughter on the left, and her husband, Caleb, and Elise is next to her. Elise and Jamie, right next to her there. Elise and Jamie are both living in Tacoma and working up in that area, having just graduated from grad school. And uh, okay, let's go to the next slide. Uh, when we first went to Indonesia, oh, now I know which slide is not there, the map. But uh, anyway, um, when we first went to Indonesia, we did not know Indonesian. So we lived uh, with two different Indonesian families to learn the Indonesian language. This is the first family, go ahead to the next. And this is... <laughs> and we still took communion over there too. Uh, <laughs> this, this is the second family we lived with. We lived with them for a total of six months. And it's amazing if you're immersed in a society Uh, that speaks a different language, how quickly you can pick it up. And after six months, we started uh, working in the university over there, so we had a pretty good grasp of the Indonesian language. Okay, next slide. And then we learned another language. We began learning the Sawai language, so we lived with more families. And this was before kids, when things are a little bit more manageable. uh, So uh, that was the first family we lived with. And if you're learning a previously unwritten language, next slide. How do you do it? If you can't access anything on Google, there's no dictionary, there's no nothing, you do what the people do. You go fishing. And next slide. They have all sorts of fishing there. Okay, next slide. By the way, the guy caught those on hand lines. No (laughs) poles. Here's Jackie out with the ladies in the garden there having an afternoon lunch, it looks like. Okay, next slide. And this is after the corn harvest. They have corn in a variety of different forms. And this was that little sweet little porridge-type snack that they have. Okay, next slide. Um, and after we had learned enough of the Tsawai language to be uh, fairly fluent and done a phonology write-up, a grammar write-up, and we we're working with a team of people there, we began to translate the word of God into the Soai language. Next slide. And there were a lot of discussions like this. Discussing the word, uh, it was a great time in life. We were really enjoying this. Uh, many of the translators came to Christ through the translation. They had a Christian background. It uh, was working within a Muslim majority area. Uh, people had a religion, but not not many had a true faith. So many of them came to faith during this time. Okay, next slide. We had our first consultant check way back in the early '90s, and okay, next. And this was, uh, this was always a really exciting time. You get something finished, I think this here is a book of Matthew and Genesis and also Jonah. You can see Jonah's boat there, maybe the little picture. <laughs> um, th- this was exciting because most people, had, they've never read anything in their own language. They only know reading books in the national language and very few people read for pleasure anyway. So uh, presenting this and recordings of this in, the, in their language was a great time. Okay, next slide. And then a war started. Not because of our translation, (laughs) but but this was in the capital city and our life was changed. Uh, The war was instigated from outsiders. There was at least... 2,000 men from the Middle East there, I'm sorry, from uh, Central Asia who were stirring up this conflict from countries we've heard about a lot in the news. Many were from Afghanistan, stirring up trouble causing Christians and Muslims to start fighting. Uh, Many Muslims in the area were forced to start fighting and it was an ugly, ugly situation. So uh, anyway, next slide. And right about that time, 1999, Wycliffe Bible Translators, the organization we work with, was having a change of focus. Uh, We got our Masters in Linguistics and Bible Translation, and we were going to do the work, working with the people. But we were realizing, if you do the math, how long it takes to do all that, that it was going to take over 150 years before there was a Bible translation started in every language of the world. And that's a long time. So we we realized that instead of going to do the work, that if we started to train others doing the work, that it would go a lot faster. So, next slide. So we moved to the neighboring province, which incidentally had no fighting going on. Uh, there was always fear that it would spread there, but we moved to this area very uh it's, it's an agricultural area, extremely fertile area. We're on the ring of fire, so there's active volcanoes and there's very fertile soil. <laughs> next slide. Uh, very beautiful. Okay, next slide. And we were going to begin a Bible translation training program on one of the largest Christian university campuses in eastern Indonesia. Next slide. We, yeah, there's the campus. Okay, next And there's how we started. We had two people. (laughs) Well, actually, the first few days we had nobody. But after a while, the word started to get out. And so we had a few people. Then next. And within a very short time, we had six new teams plus the old one, seven. Some were there from the previous province where we were. And we started training. And as quickly as they could translate some of the training books into Indonesian, we were using them. In fact, it wasn't even made into a, an official book yet when we started. Okay, next, and this is this is the difference now. Each team will be responsible for their own data, their own translation, and we will come alongside to assist and facilitate as we're able. Okay, and I love this slide because who's not in it? <laughs> Me. <laughs> um, we have been trying very hard to work ourselves out of a job and i'll get into that in just a little bit later here we have some very capable people there who can teach and take on the facilitation load okay and there they are there's the teams okay and this is coming alongside they are responsible they manage the data they translate and they have if they have questions or if they're learning computer stuff we We're there to help, okay? And there's the same thing. The gal in the back, she, at this point in time, she was in a uh, consultant in training program, and now she's become a consultant. We'll get more of that in a minute, okay? And this, Rob mentioned our partnership. Yay, you can clap for Jesus because there's been three, actually there's four now, there's one more since then. These are four New Testaments, that have been published uh, just by the translators that you saw there. Uh, It takes a very long time. It's getting quicker, but uh, it took some while. But uh, this is what we can all rejoice in and what Jesus has done through your giving, your prayers and such, okay? Okay, and um, does anybody here use Uversion Bible on your phones or on your tablets or anything? Some of you might not even know it. It's the most popular one. I think there's 100 million some. I don't know, a lot of users. Uh, if you see there in the little circle there, it says, um, well, I guess it's in Indonesian. That's uh, what we've done together. There's four New Testaments in this particular app that have been produced by us working together, okay? And this here is the Maluku Mele. Oh, I was hoping it would have the little speaker on there. We are just finally it takes a very long time to get everything all synced up But they can click on a speaker there now and it says it to you just like we do it We've had that in English for a very long time But many languages they've never been able to experience that so they can click on the speaker and it talks to you Okay And now this is some of the things that they're doing and i'm just so happy to say they're doing this on their own uh, We help facilitate get it going and now they're running with it at the very top there. It says um the Word of God, the source of life. That is their Facebook page, and it's how they're promoting Scripture. These, this is a few posts here: Second uh, Corinthians two seven and First Thessalonians five seventeen. Uh, they try and give it a little bit of a flair, a little style, and uh, you can see what's not, what's nice is as soon as they post these out, a day or two, that what does it say? Twenty five hundred or so people, almost three thousand people, have had a look. So I mean, that's a lot easier than here, pass this out, you know, that kind of stuff, so that's nice, okay? Oh, yeah, Um, I'll just give a real real quick story on this one, Um, maybe uh, almost close to a year ago, I saw this uh, one page, I was just doing a search uh, on uh, the Sawai language, that's the local language that we studied in Indonesia, that we did maybe half of the New Testament before that fighting started there. There was this uh, Balaja Bahasa Sawai, which means study the Sawai language. At the time, there was 11 people who were members of this page, and it hadn't been used for like three years, and I couldn't believe that it actually existed. So I put this story in the middle. It's kind of like a, what do we call a mumuman, a folktale about, this is obviously about the monkey and the octopus and they have lots of little stories. So I put that on there, invited all my Sawai friends that I was friends on Facebook and now it has over 900 members. And we talk about, you know, the, here's a reading and writing guide I put on there on the left for teachers to use. And I did this video. Uh, as they were asking for some encouragement for parents to continue to use the language with their kids. There is a brand new mining company, nickel mining company in the area. If you'll be buying a Tesla next year, there'll probably be nickel coming from that mine. There is about 10,000 new workers in the area because of this mine, and there is fear that their language and culture will not be used into the future, so they asked me to make a video, and I don't know if you can see the numbers. There were 140 people who shared this on their own page, and most Indonesians have at least 1,000 people in their contact list, so... You can figure out from the numbers. There's a lot of people that saw this video. Kind of, I don't know if it's in between. I'm happy about it and I'm embarrassed about it. But anyway, uh, it's, just, it's just a wonderful tool for getting language and culture material out. In the next slide. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna start my own page. And I did a, this uh, page called Fatut Fafia. And that's like, kind of like love one another or something like that. And starting to post... Um, uh, various verses from the Bible in the Soi language and many for the first time are seeing it online So pray that the Lord would continue to give wisdom on this It is in a an area where Christianity is not the majority religion We're trying to do things tastefully and wise and present things like the prophet stories uh, We share many prophets in common with the majority faith there such as uh, Adam Noah Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so on and so forth, many prophets we have in common, so prophet stories, and the great prophet, Jesus. Okay, next slide. Okay, that's where we'll leave that for just a bit here now. Okay, would you turn with me to Matthew 4? Uh, it's going to be up on the board too, if or you can open your phone up, whatever you do. Um, I want to share with you some passages that have impacted my life, especially in the last maybe seven or eight years. Uh, we live in an area where Christianity is not the dominant faith. And even when you have the Bible, even when you have the resources, how do you get that to the people? We have a current church paradigm that we use. It's been used in use for hundreds of years. We have buildings and Sunday mornings we gather and we have people who are... Educated in theology and so on and so forth, but I want to look now at The original paradigm. How did Jesus go about picking disciples and what did he do? And what was his method? They're all good uh, But I certainly want to look at Jesus's method today because it certainly changed the way we look at things in Indonesia In Matthew 4 18 through 22. Yeah, thank you Uh, Yeah, I'll just read it from here Jesus calls his first disciples and their father, and followed him. Okay, yeah. Why don't we go ahead and read the next one too? Just uh, this is Luke nine one through six. Jesus sends out the twelve. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, "Take nothing for the journey: no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt." Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now I know these are familiar passages and I know the VBS stories, you know, I'll make you fishers of men and uh, we have nice little... Uh, what do you call that? Role plays, dramas, and things we do on that. I, I was trying to look at the details here. First, thinking about Jesus, his background as a carpenter. A carpenter turned rabbi. So he's probably hanging out in Jerusalem and other towns and cities. And he goes out to the lake. Now, we've heard this thousands of times. But think about that. He's going going to a place that's not his comfort zone as either a carpenter or a rabbi, and he's going to somebody else's comfort zone where they hang out, the norm, where they go. Is anybody here watching the show um, The Chosen? A few? Okay, quite a few of you. Okay. Um, I love that show in the sense you get the feel of just walking around, and I like when Jesus is walking by the tax booth. Remember that part? (laughs) I don't know if you remember that. And there's a couple Roman guards, and one of them says, all right, street preacher, keep moving. I thought, well, that's not a very respectful way to talk to Jesus. But maybe, you know, I mean, that would have been an area that was protected. Matthew's inside, and Jesus kind of notices him a few different times, and he calls him. Jesus went to an area that was probably not very comfortable for a Jew. Because it, it represented Rome. It represented the burden that was on their country. But I guess my point here is Jesus went to him. He could have said, you know, would you put up these signs in the synagogue? I'm going to have a little seminar here next Saturday. And if you guys can show up, that would be great. I mean, he could have done that. Maybe that would have been okay. But he chose to go to their place where they're comfortable. Be it a grain field, somebody's house, um, wherever they, the people were that's where he went going and fishers of men we've heard that we know that what did Peter think of that I wonder what are you talking about fishers of men what does that mean I fish for fish not people In fact, I've already taken the Myers-Briggs test and I know I'm not a people person so I shouldn't be doing that anyway. I mean, maybe, maybe he thought that. (laughs) Uh, You know, we really don't know what he was thinking at the time but people were probably not his forte. It was out in a boat. It was, you know, pulling in nets and getting the fish out of nets and that kind of stuff but there's something that I noticed here that has really helped me a lot one is, First Peter, was, he was not a fisher of people yet, but his instruction was very simple. Follow me. Follow me, and we're gonna get into that in a minute and kind of flesh that out a little bit, what he meant there. And what does Jesus say? If you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. So maybe you've taken all the tests or personality traits or whatever you've looked at, but I'm gonna make this in you. And, and I love The Chosen because it shows Peter all of his rough edges, uh, all the things, all the trouble he gets into, but Jesus can overcome that. It's so wonderful to see that happen. Then looking at maybe about a year later in the ministry of Jesus, something like that, When Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men, now Jesus has been modeling this mobile ministry team for a year. They've been walking around, seeing people along the streets. They've been praying for people along the streets. They've been going into people's homes, praying for them. He's been modeling this. Now he's going to say, all right, time to do it, guys. Get ready. In Luke 9, he sends out the 12. In Luke 10, he sends out the seventy. So they've been through this apprenticeship, and it's a brand new model. They, the traditional model was the traditional model we use. You gather. In fact, ecclesia means to gather. That's a good thing. But his model for reaching out, for getting it out there, was to go out. And uh, looking at Luke nine there. Um, Jesus is allowing Peter to do what he told him he would be doing from the very beginning. I mean, if we, if we used the, maybe the traditional way of doing things in the first century, he could have said, I would love to see you, Peter, come and hear the, the word of God on the Sabbath. I would love it to have you come in here and just listen to that. Be a good listener and be a good synagogue member. And that would have been a good thing He would be hearing the word of God. But from the very beginning, when he hardly knows him, he says, I will make you a fisher of men. And now he's fulfilling that as he sends them out. Uh, He's giving them power to heal, power through prayer. They're going to uh, see God work in miraculous ways. uh, And they are going to go out to other people's comfort zones. In Luke 9 verse 4, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. I mean, can't you just see it? You know, they're sitting down there and the disciples turn to one another and say, house you enter? Whose house are we going to? What are we talking about? You know, this, uh, I'm not sure what you mean. Jesus was wanting them to practice what he had been doing. They're out in the grain field and they're plucking heads of grain, and Jesus is just teaching. You know, wherever they go, they're at Jairus' house or they're at uh, Peter's mother in law, at Peter's house, and he's teaching. He just he can teach anywhere. Godly principles, he's passing along, and he's out where the people are. And now, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. So, and, and what about the, the part before that? Take nothing for your journey. That's not what Wycliffe told me to do. They told me to make sure I have a passport and have all my books and stuff and my computers all ready to go. But Jesus says, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Wow, you might not even need a carry-on bag. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what is this? Why, Why is he saying this? Is this some magic formula? Probably not. Later on, Jesus will say, now take take your stuff. On this next journey, take your stuff. But most likely, he's allowing them to be dependent. Something we as Americans don't do very well. I know I don't do very well. I like to go in with my computer, all my books and my learning and my whatever, an extra shirt or two is always a good idea. But now they're gonna be dependent. People will take you in and they will feed you. Okay. very. It's it's, it's a whole new paradigm. Getting out to where the people are comfortable, in your own castle, where you are comfortable to hear the good news of Jesus presented there. And in Luke 10, in the next chapter, when he's talking to the 70 and he's gonna send them out, he says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. This person who promotes peace, if you look in the original text, it's, it's a peace child. You know the book Peace Child. It was based on that very verse. Um, promotes peace. It, The the peace child or the one who promotes peace is the one who is open, accepting, listening, engaging with you, peaceful. They're interested. When you find that interested person, if you read further there in the text in Luke 10, uh, that person that is engaging with you, stay there. Share the good news with them. That's your person. So now if if you listen to a number of mission agencies around the world, they're talking now more and more about that person of peace, the one who God has prepared beforehand, who will hear, listen, accept, and he, they're wanting to hear that good news that you're bringing. Jesus' model here is training a few and sending them out, training and sending them out. In examples like in Mark 1, where. Quickly, Jesus has this huge group of people that are coming for healing and great things are happening and the apostles, the disciples are probably going, yes, this is great, this is wonderful. The next morning, called Jesus, where is he? He took off. I mean, wow, I'm, fill up Autzen Stadium, why not? That's, that would be my thought. But that wasn't Jesus' method. Massive crowds, yeah, that's what we're gonna do, fill up the stadiums. I mean, that's, I'm not against that. But Jesus' method was, go to those solitary places, teach your men and women to pray, and then after a period of time, send them out. Jesus was willing to entrust the entire Great Commission to men and women who were, according to the times, somewhat uneducated, They were not the leaders, the rich, the wealthy. They were just the average people. In fact, that would be one accusation against them that we're gonna hear in just a minute. In Mark 5, we heard a few weeks ago when Rob was preaching, when the demonic person is healed by Jesus, do you remember what Jesus said? And he did not permit him to follow him, but said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Somebody whose faith is maybe minutes old. They've met the Savior. What you know, go, go share that. I mean, what, what do we do? You know, if we're gonna hire a pastor or, a, I don't know, a missionary or something, or if you've been to school, and I, I mean, you know, those are certainly okay things, but Jesus was ready to send people out. You know, you've got something that God has done in your life, go tell somebody. Go, Go do it. I mean, I wonder if we might be thinking, you know, this was the guy who yesterday was crazy, right? Uh, you, know, Pete, you know, he would do all these crazy things, but now he's going to go tell, tell about what God has done for him. What a beautiful way of seeing the transforming work of Jesus Christ. And of course, the story in John 4, we all know of the Samaritan woman. And I love this story in The Chosen. I think I've seen it, what, eight, nine, maybe 10 times? I go over and over and over and over this. This is wonderful. Just to see how real it is. It's not like religious. It's just at a well, and interaction happens. So this woman, after this discussion, she's figured out that, oh, man, this is not just some weird coincidence. This might be the one. So she leaves her water jar, which is like, leaving your weed eater behind, or your, your whatever you're working with behind. She just takes off. And what does she do? She goes and tells what she knows. And in the movie, I, you know what Jesus says? I, she says, I'm gonna go tell everybody. Remember what Jesus says? I, I was counting on it. <laughs> now that's not straight out of the Bible, but it's in the interaction of the discourse there, you can see Uh, what's happening and the neat thing is she is so excited about Jesus she goes and talks to all these people there's a whole village that's coming out and when this whole village is coming out in John 4 verse 30 it says they all were coming out to Jesus and about five verses later and I'm assuming that these people can be seen they can see this village coming out that's when Jesus says guys open up your eyes The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Uh, They're ripe for harvest. And my thinking is that the light is starting to go on. Oh, okay. Right here is a place to present good news in the heart of people we're not crazy about, the Samaritan world. Right here amongst nothing. There's no synagogue, no temple, no nothing. Sharing good news. At a well, Jesus is sharing good news. Getting this idea that wherever you are, wherever the people are, is a place that you can go and share good news. In Acts 4, you all know the story, Peter and John brought brought before the Sanhedrin. Tell us about this miracle. We told you not to speak in this name. What is happening? And when they were talking among themselves... Uh, let's see, Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. I mean, that is Jesus' model for ministry in a nutshell. Average, ordinary people empowered by the Holy Spirit going out and sharing with average, ordinary people. That's his... his, um, Model for ministry. So I have no idea how I'm doing on time here. But uh, I have four points here that I have, this is just for me, I uh, kind of review what we've been talking about here, that I have been taken as um, kind of my ministry model for the last maybe five or so years in Indonesia. Um, Number one is Jesus said, follow me. And that was not just to physically follow him around. It was to be in, um, in relationship, in community. They were gonna hang out. Maybe that's how we would say it. I don't know uh, some of the more free translations in English. Maybe that might be a way to say, it. let's hang out with Jesus. Let's learn from this guy. It's more than just a guy. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. Let's learn from him. So he wanted them in relationship with him. This was their spiritual boot camp. For the 12, for the 70, uh, there were many women who were involved, following around, supporting the work, learning as they watched him do it. So first one is uh, follow me. Number two is Jesus was quoting scripture to this group all the time. I mean, if you look at like the Sermon on the Mount, how many times he referenced, references in in Genesis, in Deuteronomy, uh, through the prophets, Many, many times cleansing the temple, Isaiah 56, uh, when he was triumphal entry, book of Psalms, on and on. There's just so many references. Uh, after the resurrection, the two men going to Emmaus. Jesus shows up. I mean, that's just classic Jesus. Just kind of showing up. Hey, what's going on? Oh yeah, man, this you won't believe what happened. Do you not know? How how do you not know? That's crazy. And he and what does it say he did? He just quoted scripture. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. They didn't have uh, scrolls in their pockets. They didn't have, of course, cell phones like we do and just call it up. But they had Jesus, who was constantly quoting scripture, getting the word of God into their head, into their heart, and being used by them. Uh, third thing is prayer. Jesus was praying right in front of them. They'd heard him pray many times, and they said, okay, we want you to even to teach us how to pray. Do you have a model prayer? And we have the model prayer. And so Jesus was praying constantly with them. And he's, before he sent them out, in Luke 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest. To send out more labors into the harvest. Twelve is not enough. Seventy is not enough. Pray, 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 pray. Before you go out, pray. And then go. And number four is, in a group, there's accountability. There's encouragement. There is... There's a group working together. There's an environment for learning, challenging, growing. So with these thoughts in mind... Let's look at some of the disciples that you're responsible for. Let's look at some of the people here. Okay. Next. Okay, this is Ayu. She came to us, I think it was 2001. We were looking to hire a bookkeeper, somebody who knew how to do Excel spreadsheets and those kind of things. We had had maybe three people I had interviewed, and I just thought, Lord, wow, just none of this seems right. So Ayu came, and she had a very strong faith. Uh, was engaged to be married to her, her husband, her husband now, and uh, she went through the whole process. I asked her, um, when do you read the Bible with your family? Uh, read the Bible with our family? Well, not so much. Because uh, it's the national language Bible, right? So I said, well, here's some stuff we're working on. Why don't you take this home and just just read with your family and see what happens? And she comes back a few days later and says, oh my goodness, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what you were doing here at this Place, what kind of work you were doing. I just knew I'd be doing bookkeeping, but that was pretty good stuff. Do you have any more? I said, Well, by chance we do. (laughs) Gave it to her, and she took it home, and she starts to get hooked on the Word of God. And then she starts to see the ministry of Bible translation, how people come to faith, how uh, we get the Word out, more people come to faith, transformations of lives. And next slide, please. And she's going through the process of learning all this Excel stuff. Next slide. And pretty soon, we realize this gal's very talented. The Lord is using her. And long story short, she is the director of the Translation Center in North Sulawesi. And it is independent now. We have worked ourselves out of a the job. They are standing on their own. Uh, we'll go over some of the other people that are there helping her. She's an incredibly gifted woman and she's helping oversee a couple of different provinces now in Bible translation. Okay, next. Uh, she was interviewed by Wycliffe USA. I don't know if you've ever seen this picture or you go on the Wycliffe websites very often or get their mailings. But uh, if you do, remember the name IU. She's, uh, they're very fond of her. <laughs> okay, next. Okay, Next. This is just when we were translating Manado Malay New Testament. This is the translation team. Okay, next slide. Does it? Yeah, there. Okay, that's Yanti. She was our neighbor in Kamasi, and she was like Peter. <laughs> I'd called her to Bible translation. You know what she said? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> she had just given the um, uh, devotional at our daughter's birthday party. Something that they do in Indonesia, but. And so, and I, maybe, what, a month later or something, I asked her again, hey, listen, I think you'd make a great fit. No. <laughs> Remember Peter? Go away from me, Lord. I can, I'm a sinner. Uh, so, but on the third time, she said yes. And I knew she was smart. She was a good teacher. She is a pastor, by the way. Okay, next slide. Uh, Long story short, she has been through the consultant training program. Uh, She was a Bible translator for maybe seven or eight years, then went through the consultant training program. She now is a Bible translation consultant, and she is an incredible speaker for promoting Bible translation, and not just Bible translation, but transformed lives through the word of God. Okay? Oh, and yes, (laughs) once you have the Bible, you have to get people reading. And if your norm has been, uh, the the normal way of going about things is you learn from a person, why do you need to read the Bible? That's what we come up against. Typically a person, if you're a Muslim, you learn from an imam. If you're a Christian, you learn from a pastor. And books are kind of like, yeah, that's nice, and we read them together, you know, maybe a section. But how about a discovery Bible study? Yanti is very gifted at this kind of thing to read a section of scripture and say to the group, what's God teaching us? What are you learning? What do you learn from this? And they say, what? Aren't you gonna teach us? No, we're gonna learn from God's word. They say, okay, read it again. So we read it again, maybe two or three times. And then they start to say, oh, God is teaching me. I need to be a person of faith or I need to forgive my my family member, whoever it is. So anyway, that's something Yanti is doing there. Okay, next slide. Okay, this is Yuli. Okay, next slide. Sa- same thing with her. When she first came to us, she was so shy, she could barely carry on a conversation with some of the people. And uh, she has her, what does she has Her master's in linguistics or French. I, I believe that's yeah, in French, that's right. Uh, very smart she has been through the consultant training program. Well, she was a Bible translator for maybe 10 years through the consultant training program, and now she is overseeing cluster programs. And uh, this is one of the Discovery Bible studies going on here very, she Now she's just a different person. She just loves to get up in front of people and speak about Jesus, about Bible translation, and change lives. Okay, next slide. Okay, there's just a few examples trying to find a Peter who says, nah, you better go away from me. I, I, I'm not uh, the moral person you might think I am. And just Jesus saying, it's not up to you, it's up to me. And anyway, some of those changed lives that you are responsible for, thank you for your prayers. God has changed lives and raised up leaders and the Translation Center honestly functions on its own. We're hoping to duplicate that in the neighboring province for maybe our last chapter with Wycliffe in five or six years or how many ever years it takes. That's, that's what our goal is there. Let's go on to the next uh, slide there. Scripture engagement, discovery, Bible study, and outreach with the word, okay? So the question comes up. If you live in a country where the majority are not following Christ, they're not coming to your churches, they're not saying, oh, those Bibles you just translate, we'd really love to get some. If they're not doing that, what do you do? So We have started um, having groups like this for disciple-making movements. And that is just the words that are used to talk about Luke 9 and Luke 10. Jesus training people, sending them out. Going through all of Jesus' training, how many times he had people sharing good news when they just knew a little bit, but they were out sharing and learning how to do that. And the nice thing about these small groups here is So often, they have family members, they have friends, they have neighbors who are not of our faith. And it's great to hear their stories and what they're doing and how God is opening up moments to find those persons of peace. To say, well, you know, you're sick, can I pray for you? I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus, is that okay? All right. And they agree to that, God does something miraculous or they hear something in the word of God, Uh, then maybe they hear scripture. People are reading about the prophets with their friends now and finding that Jesus is very attractive. The life of Jesus led, working with all peoples, um, no matter what background, is very attractive. People are attracted to Jesus and finding out what's the next step in faith, okay? And some of the heroes in these groups, these new groups of disciple-making movements, Um, In this picture, I see our taxi driver, there's a farmer, and um, well, there's a number of housewives there. They're people who have contacts, and throughout the day, they're praying for those opportunities. Lord, where is the person of peace that's in this area? I want to find him. I want to find her. I want to be good news. I want to point them toward your good news so we can share, go through the prophet stories with them and go through uh, the process of what salvation is, okay? And here's more discovery Bible studies and teaching, okay? Well, we have apps there on their, um, on their phones now for all these Bibles, okay? And, and thank you, Garden Way. <laughs> so just to kind of wrap things up here, Jesus had a method. It was person to person. It was sharing good news. It was a very positive message that God loves you. Are you willing to accept that? If you are, his Messiah has provided a way for you. Reaching out. And I wonder, is maybe the Lord, as we hear from his word this morning, is the Lord maybe tapping on your shoulder? A friend, a family member, a neighbor, a somebody who you need to share with, you need to encourage, you need to pray for. Um, It doesn't mean you have to go there and share the four spiritual laws and boom. Maybe just going over and loving on somebody and earning that opportunity to share about good news. We've seen changed lives in Ayu, Yanti, Yuli, and we're praying that God will transform lives and see Indonesia following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us to be obedient children of yours, doing your work, going out into the world and sharing good news. Thank you for this time, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.